0: Welcome and thank you for joining us for the second of three sessions of Building Relationship Capital, the first CISO Sellers Mashup Series at Audience First. Today we're going to be talking about how do I retain a relationship with a CISO? How does this conversation work? We're all unmuting our mics today on this call so that we can get honest feedback and value from each other. Two cybersecurity sales professionals are on the call and two CISOs are on the call. We're going to have an opportunity to ask one question each so that we can learn how to retain business and turn each other into loyal advocates. If you would like for me to send this to you via email, please visit audiencefirst.fm where you see live events. You could register to get all three sessions recorded on demand. I do want to say thank you to our brave panel who has returned and has set time aside yet again to tackle another burning issue in our industry, in the cybersecurity industry. Before we dive in, why don't you quickly introduce yourselves once more for those who haven't joined us last week?
1: Yep. My name is Carlos Guerrero, and I'm with 360 Advanced out of uh, Tampa, Florida. Excited to be here. And uh, been in cybersecurity and compliance only for Two or three years before that, I was in technology sales at an MSP, Um, always in a uh, relationship-focused sales position, and I'm looking forward to the conversation today.
2: My name is Erica Eakins. I'm an enterprise rep at Aqua Security, cloud-native application protection platform. That's what we do, look us up. I've been in tech sales for over uh, like around 12 years. And most of it has been cyber because I gravi- gravitated towards cyber. I was on the reseller side and then moved to the dark side, the vendor side. Excited to be here. I'm, I'm pumped about this episode. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm the CISO and the CSO at Avid Technology. Um, been in the industry for at least 15 years in IT, over 25, quarter of a century.
0: Wow. everybody give Dima a round of applause he's not feeling very well today thank you for joining us even though you're you're a little under the weather C-
3: Chris was like oh that voice sounds sexy like no I was just <laughs> was
4: sexy and
0: <laughs> <it>. He wasn't
1: <laughs> the only
4: one little <laughs> voice. I'm like it's going to be one of those days he's already <laughs> chewed into somebody in the industry Chris Roberts CISO over at Boom Supersonic uh, Chief Geek over at Herbilly Hit Squad um, yeah that's about it too much on the internet oh. about me
0: Awesome. And I am Danny Wolf, your moderator, making sure everything is technically functioning today, and I'm also the CEO at Audience First. Why have we continued the session? Well, it's one thing to talk about how to hook that first meeting with a CISO, but it's another to maintain and retain that relationship and that business. I've seen this big problem firsthand. We work hard as vendors to acquire net new customers at all costs, literally at all costs. We spend exorbitant amounts of money to get them, but when they sign on, they're ghosted. Or so I've heard in the audience first podcast. And so today we're going to have a brutally honest conversation about how to keep and maintain the relationship. Both parties are going to talk to one another and see how to do good and not Screw it up. So I'm going to open up the discussion with one question for each party. For the sellers in the house, what do you find to be the most challenging when retaining relationships and business with security buyers? Carlos, why don't you kick it off?
1: Yeah, thanks, Danny. I appreciate that. I've been thinking about that question since you sent it over. And what came to mind was I wanted to just kind of make a statement that none of this is a uh, individual sport. It's a team sport. And so probably one of the most difficult things as a salesperson it can be is that, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of this gets handed over to some sort of team. Like we work for companies that provide services. And, you know, my advice to sellers out there would be to align yourself with an organization that is doing right by folks. But even then, there can be situations like uh, private equity or company goes public. And there's a lot of times when you know, uh, service breaks down. And so there's only, you know, so much that we can do. And when that goes sideways, that's probably the most difficult aspect, especially when you put your name and reputation on the line during the, the whole process of building that relationship. That would be my, you know, my response and my feedback.
2: So my biggest challenge is obviously I sell one solution or product, right? My biggest challenge is landing landing and then expanding in the organization. Even though I don't sell to like the data center team or, you know, the servers, like the network guys, I need to work with them because my product could touch that team. It could affect it. They all have to work together internally, and a lot of the times they are very siloed. So it's hard as a seller for me to build relationships with the guys and ladies outside of the cybersecurity teams that I'm working with and I would also add it's really challenging to get to like the CEO, the CFO, because my target is a CISO, but I need to know the other executives as well. My advice for that for sellers is do your research and talk to everybody you can. Don't don't be siloed and only go for the team that you're trying to sell to. Go talk to the janitor because you, you need to know everybody. <laughs> yep
0: all right for the for the CISOs in the house why is ghosting <laughs> such a big issue and a challenge for you as a security buyer
4: can i squirrel for a moment because you know we're only five minutes into this and i'm gonna squirrel. yeah all uh, right
0: obviously tell me
4: why you need to know the ceo and you need to know the other executives
2: let me rephrase that i would like to know them because that helps me understand the business as a whole And the, you know, I can look and do research about your company, but I want to know what the CEO's goals are. I want to know what the CFO's goals are and how I can align my product and my services to be, you know, a a true partnership. We talked about this last week. I can't just be siloed and talk to one team because for one, I can't expand my business there for two. Uh,
4: so So it's got nothing to do with actually building a relationship. It's getting your hooks into me so that you can sell me more stuff.
2: Wrong. I mean, that is, it's two parts. So yes, of course I want to sell more to you, but I also want to build relationships because I know I'm going to stay in this industry forever. And I want to, I want to come to you in 10 years and, you know, ask you advice or, you know, just build that relationship, like a true human being versus treating you with like a CISO or a CEO title. Does that answer your question?
4: It does, but it also means I'm nothing more than a stepping stone. And that's how it feels.
2: Yes, it does feel like that. And I'll tell you why, because I told you last week that the sales process is broken as salespeople were required to do some of these things that really piss you guys off because I, I can't go to my VP or like my CRO and say, yeah, I've never met the, you know, the, the uh, VP of purchasing or like the CFO. It's it's part of the processes that I think are broken because it doesn't help the customer. It helps line our po- pockets, which is why we're all in this is to make money and because we love it. But I'm responsible for growing my company's bottom line, so there are things that I'm required to do as well. And I, I was really excited about your question that you're gonna ask us later because I want to talk about that and how it's so one-sided sometimes, but I'll wait till the end.
3: can, can, can I can I equate it uh, to something maybe? So you got you guys, meaning the sales and go to market teams are hired for a particular purpose, right? You got to get the sales out, right? Revenue generation. And very similar to how we search for our keys under a light, we start doing that revenue generation in the easiest place and direction possible that everyone expects you to do is customers. Obviously that's where the money is. Chris's point is that. I, oh, <clears throat> Chris, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to wrap it, but uh, if you're trying to understand what my CEO wants to do and what my CFO wants to do, that is commendable. And that's good because at the end of the day, my job is helping them do what they need to do. That makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But that is still the easier thing to do than looking at your own uh, GTM strategy looking at your own product, looking at your own sales uh, collateral, looking at your own sales education and saying, wait a second, this is too aggressive. This is too cold. This doesn't account for Chris being a regular person that has a a dog in an outside kitchen, right? Like, it doesn't account for anything else except for go out and get us the numbers. And so... I just uh, there was a uh, there was a uh, cyber security company I worked with over the last month or so advising them on, on their strategy and, and I'm finding their sales personnel knowing that the things they have and the things they use aren't good they know it and yet they keep going out and working through the pay cutting out chunks of the presentations of the decks knowingly Why do that? And the reason why it's because that's the easiest, right? When you're faced with two bad decisions, you're going to pick one that has the least amount of work. Correct. You're you're not going to pick the one that's going to solve the problem later on. Right. I think that's that's the main gap at this point. The reason why we feel like we're ghosted is because we are, and we're ghosted because the majority, not all, but majority of the GTM approaches are uh, one-sided. They go from zero forward. They don't go from zero back ever. And, and I think
2: that's mm-hmm. a good deal. Yeah. yeah. So um, personally, I can tell you the way I handle that. So I won't work for a company. If every product or service might have an issue, we, we know that it's, it's, it's technical, right? It's going to be messy. I try to find companies that I see a product market fit or whatever the terminology is that actually does work and that, you know, if there's challenges, how they overcome it? Are they working towards it? Like, you know, I work for a start- ah, was a startup. We're still in that phase where if a customer finds something and we could fix it or, you know, create it for them, we're able to do that. I personally stay away from large companies that are, you know, like really established public because you can no longer be that give that personal touch. And there's nothing wrong with those companies. But you're right. People do take stuff out of their decks because nobody's going to tell you the bad. However, If you have a good salesperson, they will stop like through the process. If, if we find out that the product is not a fit or it's just, it's going to have buyer's remorse, I personally will tell the customer, I'm not going to sell this to you because it won't work. But a lot of salespeople won't do that because they're scared to lose their jobs. And to me, my reputation is more important than selling you something that you're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on. And then 10 years later, you're going to remember that I did that.
4: I think the challenge is you're in the minority.
2: Yeah, and and I, I that's why I
4: said I can't what, tweet no, for all. No, and that's what we'll talk about it later, but I think you're in the minority. So ends up, what ends up happening is we do this dance through the sales process. We get something in, and then exactly to your point, the next conversation, so let's meet the CEO, and I'm like, y'all do you realize that the CEO is actually running the business and is there to kiss babies and shake
2: hands? Yeah, but I don't oh. even ask to meet those people. Like, that's after I've already sold to you and built some sort of relationship. I'm talking about, you know, it could take years. I don't even ask to meet the CISO right away. And I get talked to about that because I can't get to him most of the time, or her and most again, of the time, right?
3: the minority. But yeah. well, that's, why, that's why she's here because she's a minority that knows knows cares. And that's Thank why you we're you. having yeah. this conversation. I love it. By the way, I love the well, people. And I, see that people are I here, disagree.
2: Well, like there's some comments about me- companies use MedPick and other things. Those don't always work. There's good methodologies, but they're not going to work for everybody. And one of the reasons I am here is because the, like I said, the process is broken, and we don't treat you like a human. You're just a CISO and my stepping stone to get to X, Y, Z. You know, one, two, three. No matter what, and companies have to take responsibility for that. That they, they have to sell. You know, they have to provide value and not screw their customers over because retention is the number one thing that investors want to see because they want to see that constant income because you can't grow if you don't have a good customer base. Sorry, kind of took over.
4: (laughs) No, I think the other part of it is as well is, uh, and this is the CISO hat side of it, is there are too many CISOs who buy product to put a tick in the box. Mm. I'll buy your product simply to satisfy the fact that I now have compliance. And so once I've done it, my job's done, I'm done with you. So we see that too often as well. Uh, And I've seen it from our side way, way too often. It's like, well, why are you buying that? Well, because it it satisfies the compliance or the regulatory requirement. And this is why we've ended up with 40, 50, 60, 70, 100 plus tools when actually we needed maybe a third of that or a quarter of those tools. Pieces.
2: Yeah, and that's so, the industry's fault, because we, we were product-focused sales reps forever, and now everybody's trying to be, like, you know, consultative. So we did that.
4: <laughs> I, so I,
2: I, I, I can't even.
4: Been, <laughs> so many approaches. Hi, I'd love to understand your business in your industry. And i really want to, no, you don't. No, you don't. That, I know what you're selling me. And, and so it comes across as crazily insincere, because you're right. Everybody was like, here's your box, buy this. Now everybody's like, well, I really want to understand this with you because I, I still want to sell you the box, but I'd love to listen to you for 10 minutes while we explain how we can help this box and tell no, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, no, you're so right.
2: Yeah, it, it irks me. And, you know, people tell me I shouldn't be in sales, but I actually care about my customers. I am in the minority, but oh. it's, it's uncomfortable when I'm told to do something and get all these CISOs to a, you know. An event or a dinner, and I'm like, "Are you crazy? They have families. They're not. They don't talk. CISO talk all day.
3: (laughs) I I love I love how Donnie and 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 is it Jace? Yeah, throwing fire or throwing throwing fuel on the fire.
0: I'm I'm poking the bear a little bit.
4: I know. I Chris, (laughs) that's right. I mean, that's the problem. I would argue there are just as many CISOs as there are. Sales and marketing professionals who are doing it wrong, who don't care, who are simply there to take the paycheck and just to do the job as opposed to make a difference.
2: Well, and I also see a lot of the times that such and such has a relationship with somebody's brother, sister, or cousin, and I'm going to buy it because I go golfing with their dad. Like I, relationships yeah. are important, but you're buying it just based off of because of, of internal politics. So that's what we struggle with on our side is like, You're buying a product because you've had a relationship with somebody for 10 years, which is great, but like you kick out really other good products just because you know, somebody knows somebody.
3: I'm telling you, we need to have reviews on LinkedIn, both for CISOs and salespeople and kind of track it. Oh, Chris, look at Chris. He's like, oh my God, I want this. Right. we have the reviews and we could have, and I think this even comes to down to some form of certification. So medic. Or med, med pick, whatever you want to call it. That is an approach, right? D- Danny? whether it's the LL or LLDD or whatever else we come up with, right? There's got to be that, that we can certify people against their will and say, you know, based on the reviews that the people left for you, you are not going to get certified this year, recertified. So you're going to be like one of those, like a beat, like, you know, like a B. beast. Uh, what are they called? The B celebrities, the B at the B list. You are B lists. Mm-hmm. So you just buy things with a checkbox. So, you know, really a list salespeople will not be talking to you and a a list ceases will also not be talking to you sorry
2: that's that's good i think you're onto something with that honestly
0: we're 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 uncovering a lot of great ideas here um and going down quite the rabbit hole (laughs) i do want to get back to i want to get back to the um, talking points but before doing that carlos did you have something to add there
1: well, I was I was just going to mention that just listening in, like I think that as business people, as salespeople, like we can still hit goals and hit metrics and have growth, but still provide value. I don't think those or or, or still just or, or or still help solve problems. Put it that way, I think that those things are not mutually exclusive. I mean, I think that it that's why I think it really comes down to. Who are you repping? Like, what is your, how does your organization go to business? You know, not just you as a salesperson, if those things are tied together, then hopefully, you know, good partnerships can come out of those things and we can really do a lot of great things together. I've seen it. I'm, I've been a part of it. I, I just mm-hmm. think that, um, I think it's important to to take that into consideration.
2: Yeah, 100%. I agree with you.
0: That's a great point. Yeah. All right, I do want to touch on some ghost stories before we kick it to Carlos to ask his, his awesome question. Any good ghost stories that you could uh, share with us, Chris and uh, Dimitri, that, that will uh, provide some entertainment for us? Ghosting and why it's a challenge. I know, Dimitri, you, you touched on it a little bit uh, about seven minutes ago before we went, went down the rabbit hole, but would love to see some color here.
3: So, so that one actually wasn't a ghost story. That was yep. not, a, not a vendor of mine. Uh, it was just something. I, I actually to give them credit. They said, "Can you take a look at what we're doing and, and give us your opinion?" And and it wasn't a sales pitch. I already have a product in their space, so it definitely wasn't a sales pitch. So that was, I would say, that's actually a uh, uh, opposite of ghost. Uh, but um, I have some some vendors that are was the word up in my face they're becoming almost annoying in their attempts to get them get me to get the most out of their product Mm -hmm. i cannot praise them more than you know and that's that's amazing even though i find it annoying when i haven't eaten right like when i'm hangry okay you're gonna get it whether you're a cat or a vendor that's trying to get (laughs) me to whatever right but there are there are some it's (laughs) <laughs> that sell that sell like you know two three, four hundred thousand dollars yearly kind of spend now for them, that might not even be big. That might be average. and as a result, I might get a message three months in, Hey, how's it going? Just checking in, see everything is going well. three months in really? you think you think your product is that easy that for three months you you haven't heard from me and and everything is going really well um. I, I, you know, I'm not going to name names, but
4: but uh, sometimes the more you spend, the worse it gets.
2: They know who they are.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah. But, well, they do. I mean, I really want to name names, but I'm in the same boat. I'm so flipping tempted. I, I have <laughs> lost my voice in one of those conversations.
3: Yes. And, and someone on my team afterwards, like, we didn't know. I actually got, so, Chris, this is between us. Like, I got in trouble, let's quote, in quotations, with my team. Um, but yeah, because... They didn't know I could yell or they didn't know I could get angry. (laughs) And I had to I had to explain that sometimes you have to let it out. Because you know, holding emotions back is really bad, first Mm -hmm. of all. But second of all, I think that's the one way I can express my disappointment. Right, just words oftentimes is enough. Not yelling, I wasn't like screaming at them, but I sounded terse like with my with my four year old, like, look.
4: I I what do up the names
2: here. rhyme with? <laughs> just what
4: do the names point. rhyme with? <laughs> yeah. They're not going to do it. I actually just got hit up with one. I told them I didn't want that. that but yeah, anyway, it's the ghosting thing. i got a good one for you. So I turn up here and start asking all the, all the, the good and awkward questions that a CISO should ask. And uh, suddenly realized that our endpoint provider, hasn't talked to us or invoiced us in a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> I think one portion of maybe a 10-portion high of endpoint. Um, it got put in because it was to tick a box, and then nobody touched it. I mean, the thing every now and again alerts and says, hey, look at me, and, and the folks here are very, very good at doing it. We hadn't heard hide nor ghost nor hair from the vendor for a year and a half. I start asking all the awkward questions, like, as you can imagine, I can probably ask some really awkward questions, aside from <laughs> the fact of why you've been AWOL for a year and a half. I get a message last week, I kid you not, from the from the sales reps manager. "Hi, we realized that we've been absent for a year and a half, no fault of yours or <laughs> ours, but we'd like to crew up now.
2: Oh, <laughs> so it. they have money.
4: Yeah, yeah, so um. Needless to say, that particular endpoint vendor is going to be so rapidly kicked to the curb. It's not even. It's not even funny. I mean, they are, I'm debating in Wait, about how much Are we not allowed to name names, or is it just our choice not
3: to name names?
4: Uh, it is a. It is a base element, and it's a dark color. I'll let you figure. We out
3: have one. an. I'm sure, right. Yeah, I already
2: know. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs>
3: We have, yeah. yeah, we have, yeah. What does it sound like? We have an NDA. I was trying to get a, a quote from a, an, an endpoint vendor to renew, and they wouldn't respond. Wouldn't respond, wouldn't respond, would respond. We even, we finally were like, okay, well, we're not renewing. There's no yeah. response, no response, no response. So we went with, with someone better in many, yeah. many ways. Luckily that they didn't respond. I'm just like, that that really threw me off. Now, in their case, they went to two or three uh, acquisitions over the course of like six months and mm. make some business decisions and this and that. So I kind of get how it happened. It's just to me in today's world of technology, maybe that's just too much technology. Maybe people just get overwhelmed. with
2: Well, that's see that's, that's unacceptable. And I actually, Christopher Francis, he has a, a good comment and I want to actually say something about that. If you feel the salesperson is responsible for your satisfaction with the product, are you treating them like a vendor or a partner? First part mm. of that is, when you sell, when you close a deal, you are on every call at, that you can possibly be, be on okay. during implementation, post implementation, you get on with your customer experience teams. So yes, you are th- you are supposed to be there to um, help them stay satisfied and want to renew your product every year. Now, if there's challenges with it, you find somebody that can help them. That's That's not something you can do personally, but if you help them get to where they can be satisfied, that's your part of your job post sales is one of the most important things versus net new part or net new business and you're this is what these the CISOs are talking about is you sell something and then a year later they come you come back and ask for the renewal and it's 20 percent more than it was last year yeah that's this is a great yeah this is a great segue because I
0: think it touches on um what Carlos wants to ask so I'm going to kick it I'm going to kick it to Carlos. We're going to get into the questions because we're already halfway through. <laughs> I want to make yeah. sure everyone has has their fair share of airtime here. So, Carlos, why don't you go ahead and uh, open up with what you want to ask our CISOs here on the call?
1: Yeah, I certainly will. And, you know, kind of the question kind of reflects on my first statement is that this is a team sport, right? I mean, I, I get what you're saying, uh, Erica, about being on every call, but that's not how all teams are built. And if you're yeah. You, and truthfully if I if I'm out looking for net new for like new 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 clients to bring into the fold and I have to, to stay involved with every single client then that's not the way our system works and so I have to be I have to know that the team backing me up or meeting with people and are updating me of course but I mean really if the team can't support this then that's really where problems happen and Dimitri mentioned one himself with acquisitions and those sort of things so it's really Important. And so what I had the question that I was going to put towards everyone, let's say you go through the sales process and you've met the salesperson and their team, and you're about to embark on a rather large purchase for your organization. How do you make sure that the firm or the company that, you know, that has been represented, that they are going to follow through and do what you, you know, what you said? what they said would be done and what you agreed upon. Do you go through some early due diligence? I mean, how do you, how do you really know?
4: You want to hit this one, Dimitri, or do you want me to start off? Uh, I actually see
3: that someone in the, in the comments also kind of mentioned, Bruno B. talked about, you know, if, when you are looking for a vendor, there is the vendor due diligence, right? That, that occurs. We're talking about, um, or rather first, the first thought is that it covers security concerns. Is this vendor secure? Right. it's a product made secure? Like all those standard things. But that's only part of the vendor due diligence. Uh, I would also say that uh, we, talk, we always talk about getting more uh, knowledge from other teams, CFOs, CEOs. Get to learn your procurement person. Get to, lo- get to know your procurement person. Get to understand what's important to them my uh I, I, we have an amazing procurement person melissa and she um she she i actually just uh, what's today? monday on thursday i had to go back to her maybe friday and apologize she she told us something she said if you're doing a poc or peer review with the vendor please include us and i'm like you're slowing me down you know it's crap we gotta go fast and her point was look when you like them and you like everything when you like them and it's time to renew that POC or POV, you didn't put any kind of uh, uh, language on renewal or limitations of cost raises, on any of things like that, right? So, okay, well, crap, we just ran into that situation, right? The vendor is now we're going for POC, we want to actually keep them and you can't, or rather for now, at least. Now I have to go back to Melissa. Melissa, can you help us out or figure this out and negotiate this down or whatever? But that's just one of the things that she or they can help us with. One of the bigger ones, is this really a good vendor for us in financial terms, mm-hmm. in economic terms, in stability terms? If this vendor just came around and we we're planning using for five years, how stable are they? What's their cash flow? Can they survive more than a year and a half? Do they have a necessary support team? What kind of cadence do they? What kind of CSM process do they have? And you want to ask those questions before you buy. Because I mean someone said this our own fault. It's it is laziness per se, but it's also lack of education. CISOs, we we like the shiny toys. We don't really want to change oil, right? And oil needs to be changed every year, whatever, every you know, the car depends. But this this is part of the thing. We're like, oh, it's a shiny toy. Oh crap, I gotta go do all this maintenance, all this renewal, the other crap. And we don't think about it in it early on, but we should. So part of due diligence probably bigger part of the jewels should be this. Is this a stable vendor? Is this vendor too big for us? Will they ghost us because we're just a small hiccup and, and not even a road bump for them. So maybe instead of going for the massive, awesome vendor, we go for a smaller one, but we know that that will be the one where I will know the person I'm working. with. I will know that person for the next five years because they're, their um what's their rotation? Um, when people go come and go, in companies very very turnover mm-hmm. thing. Turnover is very low, so I will be sure to talk to this person five years from now when I'm going to reading whatever may be the case. So, due diligence is super important, and it's on us to do. And Carlos, you know these are these are important things. But I, I, I mean, it would be helpful if you, if it also came during the sales process proactively. Hey, we know that CSL is totally. important. We want to be mm-hmm. there. We're interested in your project. What is your progress criteria? Can we meet in a year and reassess, make sure, or in six months or even three months, six months a year to make sure we're meeting your your you know, progress targets. I think that would be important.
1: So real quick, Chris, before, before you, you move on. So I think that's important. I think when you're having business level discussions about alignment, then you end up choosing not a vendor, but a partner because so many times, again, Chris, to your point, if people are checking off a box just to get an endpoint protection solution, who gives a shit if they're going to be a good partner or not? I got my tool. I can move on. But I think if you really work to align the business goals with the company you're going to be working with and you go through that trouble to get to that point before purchase, you're much more likely to have a partner rather than a vendor, I think. And it goes on. We get to help make that decision, too, right? If it's not a good fit, we should be able to say to Erica's point, it's not a
4: good fit. Uh, I'm going to answer you probably more directly and bluntly. Um, first thing, I'm, so first and foremost, you don't get to the negotiations that without due diligence happening because it's a waste of everybody's time. Sure. So oh, you don't get to the first meeting possibly. You don't get to the second meeting without due diligence due diligence already occurred because, again, it's a waste of everybody's time. For me, it's simple. I'm going straight to your website. I want to look at your company. I want to look at what you are morally and ethically. I'm also going to go look at your leadership. If it's a whole bunch of old white guys, we ain't doing business. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's first and foremost. Secondly, I'm going to go take a look at the organization itself and see where you put money, where you're taking your money from. If you're taking money from a VC or an angel, either I've crossed paths with or I have no desire to deal with, we're not doing business. Mm-hmm. then I'm going to go and take a look at you people. I'm going to go take a look on the social media sites, the glass sites and everybody else. Let's see if the people like you and if they like working for you, let's see who they are. Then after that, I'm going to go talk to the tinkerers, which is a group that a number of us founded. And there's several hundred of us in there. And we're going to go talk to here's and go, what do we think? After that, you get the next meeting or you don't. And if you don't, I'll tell you why you don't. And that really is what it comes down to. Now, to Dimitri's point, after we've gone through those, then there's the conversations of how does the organization align financially, morally, ethically, all this stuff. But most of that stuff comes after that baseline.
1: That's I'd say, awesome. I'd say like a lot of things, you probably do more than most, right? I mean, that's an yep. extra, extra level of due diligence. And I would rather you tell me I'm not going to do business with you because X, Y, Z, whatever the reason is, and then let's all move on. I think, in, I think on... What's really interesting on the topic of ghosting is that it happens in the opposite direction, right? I've had you know, conversations with folks that, man, we had a great meeting, and then there's like nowhere, right? There's no there's no email going, hey, you know what? We're just not a good fit right now. And then I say, thank you very much, and let's move on. I think this is all about opening up these channels of
4: communication, and I salute you for doing all that due diligence. I think also people don't like conflict, even in the same. of you know, I've picked up don't. and saying, no, they don't like it. I personally don't care at that point in time. No, now, maybe some point down the future, go find somebody else other than your standard board of directors.
2: <laughs> well, and there's sometimes customers where you get through proof of value and you have the technical win and then you're going to go into negotiations and all the other steps and they ghost you and you're like, I don't even know what happened. That doesn't happen a lot but it, it happens more times than not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it happens like a lot in certain in, you know uh products, but that's really frustrating where you spend all this time at least like mm-hmm. tell me that hey, I I like the win, <coughs> you know, you won it technically, but this is why. And I think you're right. They don't like conflict. People are just they don't want to have people that have um like a negative thought about them.
3: Yeah. It it, it it's that plus a little bit more. We are afraid you're going to try and convince us, and now that's a con. It's not simply saying, "Okay, I understand." It's yeah, that's a good point. But look,
2: that's I, true. I
3: have we have brighter colors. Are you sure? Because
2: yeah. they—that's yeah. what we do every time. Well, yeah. let me show you this, and then let's get management involved. And you're right.
3: I, I keep saying, in their majority, techies, CISOs are not good at personal conflict that's why we are in tech because we didn't want to have personal <laughs> conflicts we don't want to deal with and, humans <laughs> yeah we don't want to deal with humans and they you know look i got a black cat like that's what we're going to deal with we don't want to deal with humans and 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 now i have to not only that but i'm in a position where i'm going to, have to explain myself and i know chris will just simply down to f off i i i can't I, I have something that's why i just oh no no i don't
2: Mm -hmm. Well, in those debrief calls, that's when I invite management. So they hear it directly from the customer and I I don't always get them on the call. So I'm not perfect, but it's not me telling my management, like they said this, we, we have to, you know, invite them to those calls because they're going to try to retain you or forward the process, but tell my manager, tell, tell my VP, I would love that instead of just saying, oh, you know, goodbye, not calling ever again, (laughs) but I get that. Thank you. All right. We're going we're gonna to kick it to Erica
0: for the sake of the time here. Um, we touched on this a little bit in our last conversation
2: yeah. and we touched on it a little bit here, but Erica, why don't you uh,
0: propose your question
2: to the panel? So we've established a relationship, right? You've bought like my product or service. That's the that's where we're at in the process. And at the end of the day, you guys know I want to build a relationship with you. We've already talked about that a little bit. And I know you're going to ask me why, Chris, in a second, but hold on. So. At the end of the day, I want to build a relationship, but and I've you've brought my product and service. Now what? What's what is next? What is your best advice to achieve the, that exact thing? Is for me to build a relationship with you or a partnership, and then I want to add to that. What what would it look like? How how do I not fuck it up?
3: Don't be a tool.
2: <laughs> I like that comment. <laughs> I said that already. Didn't they? it's so okay. kind of like three questions in one. Like, give me some advice. But
4: there's an easy Build answer. it for me. But there's an easy answer. Honesty and integrity. I know when you're using me as a stepping stone. Not all the time, but for the most part, I know when I'm being used as a stepping stone. I know when I'm being sold to rather than somebody coming up and saying, hey, let's just go grab a cup of tea. It's Friday afternoon. It looks like it's been a shit week. Get the hell out of there for half an hour. Versus, hey, let's go have dinner with A, B, C, and D. There's, there's a huge difference. Um, and it's the same thing with, you know, I, I'm fortunate. Again, I've, we just, we just uh, sat down and started working with um, an online mix. We're working with Newspire. And we're working with them on basically uh, MSSP, endpoint, and a bunch of other things. And the deal was won. Because of the individual that was, that was doing the selling, but not really doing the selling, You know, I think that's the difference. It wasn't a sale. it was a partnership, and now, to your point, they're on the calls. They're helping to coordinate. They're helping to manage the process. They're also just checking in. I get text messages going, "Hey, I saw you LinkedIn." Looks like there's a bit of a shit show going on. Anything else can do to help? That's a very personal thing. And, 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 and I know it takes time, and I know it takes effort, and I know it takes all this coordination and stuff. But that then turns it from a, I know they're selling, to I know there's an actual level of care there. And that's a mm-hmm. big difference to me. you know. And I, and I think it's that honesty and integrity. Yes, we all know that you need to protect the investment. In other words, if I suddenly say, screw it, I'm gonna go off and raise koalas in Tasmania, you need to ensure longevity inside and, and past my longevity. There's also, to your point, there's also the how can, how can you potentially leverage more business? Well, there's ways of doing it. And some of that's just purely transparent. Some of that literally is like, hey, if you get run over by a red bus, who the fuck am I going to talk to? Oh, I know. You need to talk. Yeah? Yeah, look, let's just set up a meeting so at least you know them. That's way more transparent than, than doing it in a more subdued, uh, basically, to, you know, the non-transparent way. So that's how I look at mm-hmm. it. I would also add
3: care. And so if you care, just show it. Hey, how are you guys doing? I know we talked about you achieving this thing.
2: Caesar's on a roll. All right. (laughs) Sorry, Dimitri.
3: (laughs) Yeah, be a fucking human. Recite, be a human. I'm going to cut this up. Be a human. Now that's, so let me me, me, uh, expand on this a little bit. If you don't care, don't fake it there is a way to follow the I need to care without faking it to Chris's point. It might, and I honestly, if you come out and say, look, I I just don't have it in me to care about your EDR project. Like I I care about dogs and manatees. I I don't care about EDR, but that's my job I'm selling, right? So can we at least agree on what that looks like for me to care? Like, what is it that I need to follow up on and, and make sure that it occurs? I have, there's plenty of salespeople that, remember I talked about in previous meeting that when they check out, I said they check out half an hour or or half an hour, five minutes into a conversation, you see the the, in their eyes, they checked out, but they don't skip a single check-in. They know what to ask when. So look, I just don't, I I don't care that I do this for a job, but I'm really interested in making you successful because that will help me. Okay. Now we're totally honest. I know you don't love my dog. I know you don't care for black cats. That's fine. You don't like the food I eat. (laughs) I don't care. You know, that's fine. But we're on the same page that this project needs to get to this point. And both you and I are interested in getting it there. So let's just agree on the rules of engagement. We don't have to show each other, you know, pink lilies and, and, and we don't have to go grab coffees together. That's fine. But if you check in on a cadence that we agreed on in the beginning and, and you do care for that to complete because you have your ulterior motives, that's fine. I think that's enough. So mm-hmm. either care and show it or don't care, but replace it with something that both sides can agree on and just don't be fake. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's huge. Awesome. Thank you. All right. We're going
0: to kick it to the cells now who have some Pretty juicy questions for the sellers in the house. <laughs> Dimitri, yes. it's all you.
3: <clears throat> I'm gonna try and ask it. So any product, um, that's my black cat taking care of my table. Man. So uh
4: you like any it, product ha-
3: I know any I like any product has hundred uh, percent of features and functionality within the context of of the licensing that we purchased, whatever it may be. Now, getting 100% is impossible. We know that that's, uh, you know, you've got to have a very specifically configured demo system, right, to get every little feature turned on and working correctly. So we know that, that that's not really possible. But there is a vast difference between the 5 to 25% used with just a simple drop, install, and walk away, An average using kind of, we sort of using some of the features fairly okay, blah, blah, blah. That's about, you know, getting up to 50%. And those really, really annoying customers that really want to get the most out of your product, getting up to like 75, 80%. That's like peak. Now that's that's a progression over time, over project, etc. You as salespeople, do you consider this when you will talk about the future relationship conversation and if so what is the target that you usually aim for and if not why not
1: erica that's probably more position for you because you you know you sell software i mean i get the it also it covers the services as well no it does yeah yeah yeah. and i'll I'll kind of but erica you go first and then i'll kind of so my thoughts
2: okay so um Good salespeople know that their products are gonna be difficult, especially in large accounts, even small accounts, I've seen it. Um, you do account for that in the future. Whether or not you tell the customer that, I can't speak for you know, salespeople, but most salespeople are only looking at the end game, which is end of quarter. I need to close this deal. I need to hit my quota because they're getting pressure from above. And I'm not talking bad about companies. But if you're a good salesperson You're going to walk the customer through every step and you understand that your customer knows that it's going to be difficult. That's not the average salesperson though. I would say that um, they think about it, but they're not good at planning. And a lot of that has to do with the stress that they deal with day to day about worrying about losing their job and not hitting quota, especially Mm -hmm. in like right now times, like right now. Um, And then there was one last part that you asked me. What was the last part of it? Or did I answer it?
3: I think I think you answered the part of the why not, um, okay. but is there a particular percentage that if you do do this, where what is the golden place that you aim for?
2: Well, I, we're going to aim for a hundred percent, but I would say maybe like eighty twenty. Did okay. I enter it? Yeah. So. Because honestly, it's in certain customer environments, you're going to find all these problems that you may not have been aware of. But like if you plan for stuff and, you know, prepare the customer, you have a higher percentage of, you know, things working out well.
3: So is that something you work on or is that something you hand off to the CSM team and say, okay, we talk to the customer. They're okay being 20, 30 percent. They just need to close an immediate gap and later on we might come back to it and help them expand but for now that's the target or
2: okay yeah yeah cs the cx team that's that's part of the post sale but you should still be involved in that because of escalation and just basically supporting your customer because sometimes things move slow as you know but yeah that would be like a more of a post sale customer experience text or you know support team but we should be there coordinating all functions i'll i'll chime
0: in there um, all functions should have a role in that experience for the customer, including marketing, including product, totally. including sales, including customer success, and founders, and C-levels. Yes, it's it's a it's an experience. We talk about you know later in audience first. We'll talk about the whole loop. It's not a funnel. Hand it off to the next step and the next people. It's a full life cycle for for the customer. So all roles have some function for that kpi or that percentage yep yep putting putting that out there
4: you mean and and it's that's that's, (laughs) i'm sorry you mean no no Cottage being passed along from one thing to another
0: unfortunately unfortunately that's the case in lots of organizations and it's a mindset shift it's a huge it has to has to be a mindset shift within and a culture shift within the organization
2: well, and that's like what I said earlier, like I'm involved every step of the way because of stuff like that, because at the end of the day, it, it's still my reputation on the line. Now, I, Carlos works for a different organization. Uh, the vendor reps, we should be involved, even though if you're working with a reseller or if you buy direct from me, we should stay involved. And our company, sh- each function should stay involved, like Danny said.
1: Totally. Does that make sense? I get it. Yep. hundred percent. And in my world, I think it depends. Like for us, like you know, professional services. One of the things that the uh, potential client or the prospect m- may not understand fully is how much work it's going to take on their end in order for the project to be successful. And I think that's something that we have to have real honest and you know conversations with uh, on that. On that topic so that they know that if they can't show up then this thing can't be successful that's typically where if i were to say oh it's going to be fine and then we sign a deal and then it's not fine because they don't have the resources uh to to, for it to be successful that can be a problem and that's why i'll back it up again if the professional services if the folks that are actually doing the work are involved in helping to scope projects and then they can they can at least convey that message too right and so that's when we find them to, to be successful is we're able to have those conversations. Does that kind of line up, Dimitri, in sort of a apples to apples? Know, a bit?
3: It does. And I was gonna say, having spent 10 years on the PS side, yeah. Your GTM is not using feedback or direct involvement from the field teams that actually work with customers, you're yep. you're missing a crack.
1: Yes. I can't give a proposal without having a, what in our world, a practice director involved. And so, and and they have enough work on their plate (laughs) that they'll say, you know, they're, they're not, they want to win business, but not in the same way we do. So it creates a little bit of a stop gap and helps to convey
2: well, and to uh, to add to that, I know we have to get to Chris's question. Like sometimes we can't do a proof of value if we don't get certain information from the customer. So like we can't we get stuck in the sale process because my VP is not going to approve it if I don't have all these things talked about and discussed in these plans. So it goes back to that planning and being involved. So we have things to
4: about. I think so. It, it behooves both parties. This is actually one of those where both parties needs to come table with honesty and integrity, which I think is missing and it's missing for a number of reasons. We'll go back to Endpoint, uh, and I'll go, I'll go straight back to Newspot. We sat down talking with them, and, they're like, and we're like, hey, we need to rip out the current Muppets that didn't talk to us for 18 months and replace it with shit that works. And they're like, yeah, we're going to do that, and we can do it. We've done it before, but it ain't going to be painless. And we're like, and, and I know that there will be some people in the c position like, oh, I don't want to hear that. I need to hear that it can be implemented in an hour. Whereas a yes. bit of honesty and integrity go, all right, let's talk about this. Let's talk about what it's going to take, how long it's going to take. Let's talk about the headaches it's going to be. Let's talk about this. but Let's talk about how we get through that. But that takes both parties. That takes, that takes risk from the sales and customer side, to be honest, and go, hey, shit ain't going to be plain smooth up, plain set. <laughs> And most don't want to do that because they know the other 20 vendors standing on either side are promising wealth beyond Everest and it'll be installed in the first hour.
2: Yeah, and they don't want to derail the deal.
4: Exactly. Whereas on the CISO side, sometimes we just want the freaking tick in the box. We don't necessarily want to put the time and effort in. We want shit just to work. We don't have Mm -hmm. all the resources to do what we do and, and, and. And so it's really – does be who both parties coming to the table and going i got scars you got scars <laughs> how do we try not to get too more too many more of these in the next month or two
2: yeah that's a huge disconnect great way to put it
4: yeah that's a great way to
2: put it
4: we got to certify people for this i swear <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, I totally,
4: like certified like, we, talk like about, crazy. we talked about this the other week and we've had these conversations we do need yeah, then, then there's got to be some way to set, to identify, like, look,
3: like, Erica and Carlos, like, let's say you guys had this badge, right, earned in combat, <clears throat> not, not in that, earned in um, in the the, the the storms of cybersecurity selling as confirmed by CISOs, right, and then it takes, like, I don't know, you need, like, 10 CISO uh, references Um uh, and vice versa for CISOs, you know, you get like 10 sales people references. This is a CISO that can be dealt with honestly and truthfully, right? So if you know that's a person on the other side, you can and say, okay, oh, yeah, look, whatever the marketing people say, this is a real deal. You're going to get 60% of what they're saying. It's going to take us six more months to deploy, but tell you what, I'm going to be there the whole the whole way, our CSM team is going to be there with you the whole way, and we will work together on defining your board deliverables and KPIs, and and help you quantify and and do all that. Right. So now mm-hmm. we're all walking in, and and now you can be the CISO that just comes in and needs to check a bunch of boxes and get his bonus or her bonus and move on to the next next job. You can be that CISO. But for those CISOs, there are salespeople that are also there for, you need a thing for the box, here's a thing for the box. Okay, well, we'll go we'll go out to the same restaurant. That's, you know, $5 sign. $5 sign. And for $5 that's sign, that's, that's, how that's called Final Strike. I'm, I'm pretty right. sure that's a modus operandi. So that's, you know, like, you guys do that. Well, we need the people that do what we do. Or what what the people that help us do what we do and vice versa. So, I'll, I mean, certifiable. Cert, cert, another cert, that's right, Bruno, another cert. Another
4: cert. Yeah, well, I, we need to like a safe space marketplace or something like I, I, but something is needed.
2: Somebody mentioned that they're working on that program, V CBCSO.com.
4: Yeah, I got hit up with one. There's a few things out there. I think again, here's my thing. I don't want a few things. I want people to work together and do one. I don't want six different yeah. freaking CISO safe spaces and market. I want what? <laughs> get your shit together. Work together.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. All right, we have. Well, we're gonna go a little bit over because this next question is freaking loaded, and that <laughs> question alone would take us three sessions. So let's try and do it in ten minutes, and then we'll leave another ten minutes for for extra questions. So we'll go over ten minutes uh, on the half hour. But <laughs> yes, Chris. All right,
2: bring it. For,
4: All right, why? Why do you want to talk to me? We've done the sale. we've done the deal. Why do you want to talk to me now we've already Eric, you and I kind of went back and so forth a little bit on this one. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about some of the reasons we feel like you want to keep talking with us, and unfortunately, in many cases, there's too much insi insincer- in insincerity yeah insincere yes whatever the hell yeah. it is. It, early in the morning I'm not the Thank you so too much. yeah too much fakeness. Thank you. Much, much more civilized way of putting it. There's too much fakeness. How do we change that? How do we change it? Cause we sniff it out. Let's be perfectly honest.
2: Okay. I, Carlos, I'm going to go on this one. Cause I've been waiting for this question. So right. there's two, there's two aspects on that. There's what my company wants me to do. And then there's morally what I, and reputation wise what I want to do from a business aspect if we are not talking to the person in power, which would be like the economic buyer, you're the decision maker, you're not the CFO, but you're going to tell the CFO it's okay to buy this. If we don't have that relationship, we can't manage and forecast. And that's all a part of business. And that's not your problem. But the other part of that is turnover rates. Your team has turnover. You know, we, if we lose our, um, our contact... Because I personally find a champion in every account, because I know I'm not gonna get to the CISO right away. I find somebody that I make friends with and that I, you know, I help him or her. I help him get promoted by, you know, making things better, whatever the case is. There's a personal interest there. So that's more of on the personal side. But I need you to be a part of my sale because I have I have to report and forecast. And we all know that if I don't have these conversations with you. The deals could go sideways. I can't do mutual plans. I can't do planning down the road like uh, QBRs. So you're supposed to do like quarterly business reviews with your customer to make sure things are going. If I don't have a direct line to you, none of that, even if your people are are doing it, I still have to answer, well, what does the CISO, was the CISO involved? What does the CISO involve? So that's the business side of it because I don't want to ramble too much. The personal side is I need to have, relationships. I'm a relationship seller. And I've had customers that I've done business with for over 10 years. I'm friends with their wives. I'm, I th- I've am i been to dinner. So there is a personal aspect that I don't want to just do business with you. I want to, you know, maybe someday when I want to become a CRO, you, I can go to you and say, hey, who's a good mentor? So it, mm-hmm. it it's career and personal investment. And it's weird for people to, some people ask me, well, how do you think his wife's going to feel about, you know, having a relationship with a, a female rep? I invite their wives and families. If we go golfing, bring your families, get everybody involved and make it about you. Because I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be here. This is what I want to do. So in 10 years, I want to, you know, see you at a conference and be like, what's up, Chris? Or text you and be like, hey. So yes, I do want to add friends to my, you know, my little circle because it, it, it's just, as a relationship seller, that's how you do it.
4: All right. So my I mean, challenge is you can't do that with everybody. How do you pick and choose no. effectively? I mean, are you going to walk away from a sale because you don't like having a, because we're not going to be friends or because I'm a creepy what's or because whatever. <laughs> I mean, tell me. No, yeah, work. I'm
2: not, I'm not going to walk away from a sale. I mean, if somebody's creepy, I'm, I, I am going to call them out because my company would be upset about that, but not every CISO is going to want to even talk to me ever So I make Mm -hmm. friends with their teams. I I go to their management and I try, I work with them because essentially I have to work with the entire team. And if I can have that relationship with everybody and we're all on the same page, it's not always going to be smooth, but it's going to be easier for us to do business. And, you know, on the vendor side, I see things that you might not be aware of yet that I could tell my customers and help you from your career's perspective. So no, I won't walk away. I just try to build with somebody else.
3: I think it's coming back to expectations right in the beginning. I'm a hugger and I'm not, but like <laughs> you can come out and say like, look, I'm a hugger. Okay. So we're going to get, a, I, I, I usually try to hug people when I see them. Is that okay? No, not really. Okay, good. i not a hugger. Right. Okay. So, you know, uh, uh what's it called? Uh, uh, the little golf, mini golf, mini golf. Hate mini, mini golf. golf. Okay. So no mini golf for him and his family. Like that's terrible set expectations i need to talk to you once a quarter to achieve yeah. the following things i also would like to blah 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 plus uh for me to make sure you are successful i need to hear from you somehow yeah in some way mm-hmm. what can you are you okay with talking to me once a quarter it's gonna be tough but we can try and put something in calendar although that's gonna be fluid okay Is there a way to do this over email? I can send you a quick uh, five questions. You answer them quickly. We're done. Like That that should be it. Is there someone else on your team that I can work with that likes mini golfing and stakes?
2: The answer to that is a mutual plan. Always create mutual plans that we both agree on because we're not going to be friends with everybody.
3: But only Mm -hmm. one of us is going to be the one to start it and it has to be you guys. Yes. Because, you know, we got... We got too much going on. There's
4: too yes. much
2: going on. But because that, that's, it, it, that's it's our gotta job.
4: The, it's got to be the sincerity. Now, my other callback on this one is actually a really good point somebody said on here, which is, why the CISO? Why does your company have to know from the CISO? Why won't the director work? Why wouldn't the manager or the, or the team work? Because, again, you, know, you want the CFO. Well, if the CFO and I are not in alignment, we got bigger problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, inside here, the CIO, the CISO, and the CFO pretty much are in alignment. So, hearing from one of us should be perfectly acceptable. The fastest it, way to everybody. lose Well, it, yeah. Get in
3: touch with my CFO. It doesn't have, have to be the
2: CISO. Or,
3: yeah.
2: It, it doesn't have to be the CISO. I can identify in the process that it's the CIO, but that's what, my job to find that out. So I'm just using CISO because this is a CISO panel. But most of the time, it, it depends what you're, you know, what you're selling, but you know, the chief information security officer, sometimes there isn't one. So who's so, your buyer That The CIO.
4: Well, I, so again, okay, so my challenge is, do you need to be this far up the food chain? And I'm not with the far up the bloody food chain, but do you need to be this far up the food chain? Would the manager work or a director work?
2: Or a, a if, VP, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, because there's there's gonna be so many times that I'm not, I'm not gonna reach that far. I, mm-hmm. I work with large enterprise accounts, so we're talking about the beasts i I was never going to meet Jeff Bezos if I was handling Amazon. There was no right. way. You know, I, it was hard to even get to that level of C. You know, CISO or CIO. You can go to the directors, the VPs, but you identify that. So yes, yeah. there are other people to answer your question.
3: Okay. By the way, this is a side note, Danny. How much time do we have? Two more minutes? We'll
2: minutes. go
0: nine more minutes. We'll go yeah, nine. Yeah, we'll go minutes. Minutes. <laughs> ten after.
3: What do CISOs do? Because it ain't checking alerts. It's not, it's not checking the status of a tool. It's not, and, and increasingly so, not tactical, technical things. And that's the right thing. Because for C, uh, you know, with the exception of smaller companies or maybe some very, very specific uh, cases, we are, not because we want to. God knows I don't want to deal with business. I don't want to deal with, with people for the most part. I don't want to be writing Presentations, PowerPoints, anything else? That's it's not, not because I want to, but that's what the need is in the, today's corporate environment. We have to, we need to be stepping up into the strategy, into strategic planning, long-term de- decisions, directions. None of that is tool specific. None, Mm-mm. zero. Mm-hmm. I cannot bring a tool or a technical. Consideration again, with minor exceptions of like, or whether with Microsoft, go with the with Amazon, right? Like we, those may be at this level. Anything else is going to stay at director, at senior director, at a yeah. manager level, and more importantly, they will be the ones that will actually do all this due diligence and will do the planning and do that, and they'll bring mm-hmm. it to me and say, "Look, I've assessed these five, and this is the one that we should go with." Because I'm, at the end of the day, I'm still responsible for the budget. Right yes. for the for the decision making, but I, I, I have very little information to give you about about things you're asking, and I have things to do that have nothing that are at a higher level. I don't mean that like yeah. you're too low. I just mean that we're talking at at the level that sale doesn't occur. Sales don't well, happen yeah. at each yeah. meeting, right? No, so, and you
2: you might have a director or a VP that that you kick us back to. And that's that's good too. It doesn't the goal is a CISO always in mind, but if your VP and your directors or managers, you, you give them that responsibility and we know that that's who we work with. We don't try to push mm-hmm. past it. Like I have a customer that I brought on recent, you know, recently, and I've never met their CISO because I deal with his his direct report.
3: There are things we can tell you that are valuable to you. I I, I think yeah. our level of maturity that should be valuable to you. Our level of resource availability, that should be valuable to you. Our level of maturity in resource management, that should be valuable to you. Our level of maturity in four or five different things. Those are all things that are valuable to you because you can account for it in your prep with the person that's actually gonna run the tool. Based on what I've heard from Dimitri from you, see, so you are, um, you know, maturity in this area is average. Uh, based on what we've been doing with our customers, we've seen ability to improve maturity in this area by following blah, blah, blah. Like that. Like so now you've got a little bit of guidance, a little data input, yeah. and bring it to the person that should. So and that's
2: how you're flipping it from a product sale to a, a consultative partnership. Exactly. And that's why you guys uh, another reason why you guys are so important because of exactly what you just said. So that's and we need that to be a true partnership
4: that's fine. Fair. that's the fair. problem
2: for you no, is that you're not no, going to be
3: able to sell me a tool in my meeting
2: no take 30 seconds
1: sometimes or a lot of times historically like someone from leadership will say to someone else go find proposals for this or maybe they didn't say that and they just decided they wanted to go and like find some information because they think a solution needs to be and so sometimes not all the times but sometimes we have conversations with folks that kind of will tell us that they're the ones making the decision when really they've never yeah. updated anyone. So sometimes having validation from a stakeholder or someone that's actually going to be writing the check does make a difference in order for us to continue having, you know, legit business conversations. I'm not saying that happens a lot oh, or it, even all the time, sure, yeah. but it happens. Oh, it happens and a I, lot. It
4: happens. <laughs> as well, say, I was say, I, I I've dealt with it because I've been sitting on that side of the fence for quite a while. kicking is, unfor- or, you're going yep. up against an RFP where you already know you're gonna lose. So why the hell yeah. Yeah. Yep.
2: Well, and I've people just want to learn something and they use us for it. Yeah. And then they find out later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I try to
1: dis I try to disqualify if those feel yeah. that way, right? But there's but mm-hmm. that does happen. And that's why we want to have conversations with a stakeholder as well. Yeah. Fair.
0: All right, we have a few minutes left and some of our panelists need to drop. I uh, would love to go all night, but we cannot do that. So uh, I will. Uh, we will sign off with uh, one question from uh, Cesar Pizarro. Curious for the panelists here. What do you feel about customer success supporting you post-sale? It's a model that bigger vendors use more and more. Is that valuable as a buyer or do you feel ghosted? Good
2: question.
3: That's a great question. I'm assuming the part here that's missing is stepping the sales team steps away and completely hands off to the customer success team. I think that's that's what they're saying. Yeah, I think that's what he's asking. Right. I I think it's totally fine. Again, with back to expectations. Hey, look, I'd love to. And in fact, we can continue talking if you want to. I'm always here. You can always reach out to me. And if you don't mind, I can actually reach out to you once every quarter or every six months because I got to work on my pipeline planning but uh linda in customer success is amazing at tracking and and, and, I, and I and i'm going to meet with her and real translate to her relay to her all the things we talked about in fact maybe we can even jump in the meeting together so we can do this handoff like a shift changeover together and linda from the csn team is going to move on and will be your primary point of contact for any issue um Something like that. I, I think that doesn't—that's not ghosting at all. If you simply just all of a sudden Linda appears and is like, "Hey, you know, Erica's no longer going to be working with you."
4: <laughs> what well, happened? He is like, okay. Right, so I'm sure. to... over by red bus. I'm Un, buttoning <laughs> because I got a couple of minutes before I have to drop, and this could go on for a long time. Um, I'm going to keep it simple. I've spent the last X number of months working with the salesperson or the account exec, and they know me, and I know them. If that handoff is not smooth and I end up with some muppet who tries to do stupid shit again, then there's problems with that. If that handoff is smooth and they understand exactly what they're coming into, I think it's good. But if it isn't, and let's face it, nine times out of 10, it isn't, then there's problems with it. I will feel like I'm, you know, secondhand sausage being passed around. Has yeah, yeah. Really
3: that's good.
4: I mean, yeah. That's yeah. just for Chris. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We'll we'll leave that for some of the podcasts uh, that we're doing <laughs> we'll there. Uh, but enough said, this has been super insightful. Thank you, all of you, for joining. As a reminder, we have our third session at the same hour next Monday, the 31st. We're going to cover how to turn everybody here into loyal advocates. The power of community, <laughs> the power of advocacy, which drives growth from for both sides again if you can't join us for the sessions or want the recordings visit audiencefirst.fm where you can register on demand and get extra goodies and as always if you have any feedback for us on how we could get better drop that in the comments here or just reach out to us directly thank you very much for joining us panelists thank you again for taking the time uh, a little bit over time thank you so much